a, a lot of what our people perceive mental illness to be is associated with you know supernatural factors Welcome to the Curious Kaki Show. The show for curious minds and hungry hearts. I'm Sam. And I'm Yvonne. And on this episode, we have Zulaika, a mental health advocate, co-founder of Malaysian Youth Mental Health Initiative, Minda Kami, and the host of Borak Minda Podcast to chat with us. Hi, Zulaika. Hey, guys. Happy to be here. So, you know, coming on to this, uh, you're actually the first person we're talking to Uh, specifically about mental health or the mental health advocacy movement in Malaysia. So could you just tell us uh, and share with us about your background? Yeah, sure. Um, I guess like you said in your introduction, I'm the co-founder of Minda Kami, which um, <clears throat> was pretty much like initiated by mostly people who have had experience with mental illness and also people who have like a passion towards mental health advocacy just in general so uh what what else have you been up to lately um i also read that uh me being a bit snoopy that you're actually pursuing currently your master's in global uh mental health yeah Um, (laughs) so did you did you go to that from psychology or psychiatry and uh what made you kind of want to go into that Well, yeah, I guess those are quite a lot of questions that lead towards, like, you know, the past. Um, but I guess I'll answer, like, how did I get started in all of this mm-hmm. um, in terms of, like, psychology? Because I didn't really um, have a specific into, uh, interest towards psychology until, like, I was in my, like, foundation program. So what happened during that time was that I was um, struggling quite a bit with my mental health, trying to um, cope with living like quite far away from my hometown because I've never left it mm-hmm. and studying in um, for my foundation. So I looked into like like things that would comfort me, I guess. Mm-hmm. And one of those things were trying to learn more about why I feel this way or just learn more about myself just in general. Like, mm-hmm. I am specifically focusing on stigma um, from the perspective of people with mental illness in Malaysia. Mm. Uh, so that's what I'm busying myself with. It's like I have a deadline in the next two months. So Ooh, I hope luck. I actually... <laughs> I hope I complete this master's because it's been a long journey, man. Yeah. I'm sure. Um, I think I want to kind of segue into, I think it's kind of touching on your thesis as well and your research progress about mental health stigma, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think mental health, especially, I don't know if it's the Malaysian culture or the Asian culture, is very heavily stigmatized, right? If you go see a therapist or you go and seek for help, people think you're crazy or mm-hmm. they don't really understand about mental health Um. But I think the pandemic has really changed that, um, has raised a lot of awareness about it, right? Why do you think mental health is so heavily stigmatized? And how do we change that perspective, like people's perspective towards mental health? Yeah, I mean, you brought up about like Asian culture, Malaysian culture. That's actually something that we did look into in my master's program. Uh, um, the program talked about cultural psychology, whereas 
which means that mental illness can manifest differently in certain cultures mm. because uh, I've seen evidence where like maybe Asian cultures they wouldn't say that oh I'm depressed or anything like that they will more likely say I'm having like a really bad headache and that might be a manifestation of their psychological distress you know Mm-hmm. So part of it is cultural because like we didn't grow up specifically seeing I'm depressed or I'm like you know this sort of like emotional kind of thing. Mm. Um we also didn't grow up um we also grew up kind of like we need to uh sort of protect our image our family's image so we don't share our vulnerabilities with other mm. people. That might be part of it. And two other parts of it i don't know how many parts there is but like two other parts of it is i would say a lack of knowledge a lack of awareness of what constitutes mental wellness and mm. what are the symptoms of mental distress psychological disorders things like that and the last part of it might be that there's a reluctance towards acknowledging that towards towards like interacting with anything mental health related mm. whether it be because we're afraid of it or we don't we just don't want to acknowledge that it exists i guess so mm. there's a lot of components it's really hard to pinpoint yeah this is why it happens it's just like a range of things actually so it's mainly on awareness um we're not as educated um or we're not as vulnerable right Speaking of like vulnerability, I think there's something that I really struggle with and I think I've been reading a lot about like, you know, Brene Brown and she talks about vulnerability a lot and I think people associate vulnerability with weakness. Because you did share a bit, I, I guess in the intro, like how you got started, your men- like, you know, advocating for mental health. How do you think sharing your story or being vulnerable with your story has changed your life or impacted you in, in any way? Man, big question. <laughs> I mean, I guess when it comes to coming out with like any sort of big thing about yourself mm. and in this case like my mental illness which is like like I guess like a label or like something that I identify with. Yeah, um I grew up like not sharing mm. anything vulnerable about myself until I, ha- I was at that breaking point mm. so what it did for me is like I think once you do like reveal yourself in such a vulnerable way it's gonna impact your life your trajectory of your life mm. then on and what happened for me is like like I was hesitant because I was afraid that people would judge me and um, people would don't want to be friends with me, don't want to have anything to do mm-hmm. with me. And that fear is something that is valid. Mm-hmm. Um, and pe- that is something that I'm, we are trying to um, combat, I guess. But it opened up a lot of doors for me in terms of like sharing vulnerabilities with other people and them sharing with you creates this like really lovely bond and understanding with each other so I was able to build a support system that actually did understand what Mm. I was going through 
or if they don't totally understand, they're really supportive and really try hard to listen. And um, through my advocacy work, hopefully, this is what I'm trying to like spread to other people as well because I've benefited um, mm-hmm. from sharing my vulnerabilities because, I mean, I guess like if you don't address the pain that you're going through, it's, it's really hard to get better like, without community support. Right. Yeah, like, I guess um, going back, could you share a little bit about, like, you know, Minda coming in, like, the projects that you're working on and how you guys are planning to, like, raise awareness about mental health? <clears throat> well, there are quite a lot of things, I guess, that we have worked on. But what we mainly do, and we started out being very online, um, and it's car- carried on until now. Lah. Mm-hmm. Um in the past, we've had like tea and talk sessions where about like 10 to 15 people gather at like a cafe or something and talk about a specific topic. For example, you know, mental health, like the workplace or like relationships in general. That's one of our projects that we unfortunately haven't been able to do since the pandemic. Mm. Um, other projects include like whatever social media campaigns that we have which includes like Media Bertanggung Jawab, which is like a campaign where we demand for more ethical reporting of suicide cases because it has been found that, you know, um, unethical reporting can actually harm people. Like when they are exposed to, for example, um, like gory pictures or like specific details of like what happened um, in the suicide case, then that might... Um, lead to suicide contagion, um, mm. influencing people, you know, um, or impacting people who are vulnerable, you know. So that's one campaign that we really much um, stand by. Um, other things, like we do talks and workshops here and there, and we also have the Borat Minda podcast, which I host. Yeah, that's about it. Interesting. But at the same time, right, um, like the whole social media arena changes so fast. Like a few years ago, it was used, uh, like for example, just take Twitter for an example, right? Um, I remember when I was in secondary school, it's not even what, like seven years ago, not even 10 years ago, right? That we were using Twitter as a space for ranting for almost anonymous or near anonymous, um, uh, a place, place to vomit our emotions, right? Mm. And then, not even in the space of 10 years, it's being used now as a hot social media site for latest news updates, for social media influencers to update their followers. Yeah. So what would you say to the person who um, may unknowingly breach ethical reporting guidelines because Mm -hmm. they're using Twitter as a space to kind of process the emotion or process like what in the world is going on in Malaysia uh, right now? Mm-hmm. I Yeah, I think I can understand that need for a space to rant or like express yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I guess there needs to be a balance of like having your needs met in terms of expression and mm-hmm. also while minimizing harm as much as you can towards Mm. other people social Mm. media like you said 
has changed so much. Mm. Um, and um, well, partly probably is because of consumers, but partly also is because social media, the way that they profit, like social media companies, yeah. is by making you spend as much time as possible on that mm. platform for you to rely on that platform. And what makes mm-hmm. you rely on Twitter? I'll give like Twitter like example. Kan? Sure. <laughs> what makes you rely on Twitter? is the the very like spicy news that you get there the very yeah. like real real like authentic i yeah. don't know authentic or the not controversy, right? Right? But, like controversial stuff like yeah. that's that's how twitter thrives mm. which is why this is going to become like a starting a conversation on social media companies just in general they also need to be responsible with how mm. they with how they with how people use their platform they also need to be responsible for that talking about accessibility <laughs> <laughs> wow yeah um you know speaking of accessibility right um right now um in malaysia uh the the current ratio of psychiatrists to residents is we've got one psychiatrist to every 200,000 residents um, as of 2019. And mm-hmm. the WHO recommendation is actually uh, one psychiatrist to 100,000. Is that right, Yvonne? Yeah. Uh, yeah, 10, one psychiatrist 000. to 100,000 people. 10,000. Oh, sorry. One psychiatrist to 10,000. And we're at one psychiatrist to 200,000 people in Malaysia. Um, mm. It's quite far short as you can really see what are your thoughts on our mental health system currently and our accessibility to it <sighs> loaded question man there's yeah. so many there's so many there's so many components to it you know of course okay like Firstly, what you brought up is like the number of psychiatrists, right? Mm. Yeah. There's about like 400 something psychiatrists. I think in the M, uh, I think in MOH, if I'm not mm-hmm. mistaken, in the right. whole country. Right. Like there's only like less than 500 people who can, who specialize in mm. this field. Mm. And psychiatrists is of course only one of the mental health professionals lah. Okay. But yeah, um... A lot more needs to be done because as you might have known already is the Hartal doctor contract. Mm. I think that's what it's called. The, 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 what is it? Uh? Um, strike, right? It's a strike yeah, where strike. like contract oh, doctors, right. yeah. Yes. Where contract doctors are um, demanding for, you know, better uh, work conditions, better pay i think yeah, better, better benefits right? better like future for mm. them to specialize for them to be made permanent doctors that oh, also gives an impact on like what if the contract doctors want to specialize in psychiatry ah. like this the way the system works right now is like there's a lot of barriers towards okay. reaching like reaching specialization and also increasing the number of psychiatrists in the country okay um In terms of accessibility, uh, I'm I'm really I guess like happy that we have 
free healthcare, um, I or like affordable healthcare with like yeah. clinic kesehatan mm-hmm. and all of that. You can go uh, to see a doctor uh, for like one ringgit and like consult mm-hmm. with like a psychiatrist or psychologist for like five ringgit per right. session. Yeah. That mm-hmm. sort of like. Um, that sort of range lah, the price. Mm. And we also have community mental health services called Mentari. Uh, there are about 20-something centers worldwide. Um, so those are really great efforts towards making um, mental health services more accessible and more available to people. But mm. there's definitely a lot that can be done in terms of, like I said, the psychiatry doctors. And we also have quite a low number of clinical psychologists who are working um, in like government settings as opposed to private practices because mm-hmm. there are not as many usually like clinical psychologists will open up their own private practice mm-hmm. um, so that they can work you know there's not a lot of opportunities under MOH so mm-hmm. that can be something that they can improve on to increase the number of psychologists that are available to people at a more affordable rate. Yeah. Um, in addition to that, I've seen a lot of um, psychology centers and also counselors uh, with their own practices try to um, provide affordable services, for example, like 60 ringgit per session mm. to try mm, to right. bridge that gap yeah. between, mm. you know, how you can afford, how much you can right. afford and right. reaching That's out to really more great. vulnerable people. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It's okay. A lot of things need to change. Lah. <laughs> yeah. I, as someone that has gone through the private and also the public health system, I know that's mm-hmm. like a huge very long waiting time like why did, does it take so long for someone to see a doctor especially when you're at your lowest point right um and you do definitely need to seek help right what needs to change um like what are some of the barriers that you see that we can work on as a society as well yeah well the number of people who who specialize in mental health are low already and like there is, of course, going to be a waiting time if you're going to see a psychiatrist or a psychologist. Um, so that's why, like, increasing those numbers would certainly help with the waiting time. Mm. Um, yeah, what can be done? Well, that's one of them. Um, that's, that's the <laughs> problem, right? That's the challenge. That's, I'm like, huh? Well... There needs to be some sort of plan lah of like, okay, we don't have specialists, right? Yeah. Usually what people would do is like do this thing called task shifting. So task, task shifting is something where like instead of a psychiatrist, you know, reaching out to the person and like, not reaching out, like they are the one like seeing the, the people mm. and like helping with their um helping with their issues. But we task shifting would be like you train, for example, nurses or lay health workers to deal with mental health issues, to deal mm. with mental illnesses, to okay. be able to perhaps prescribe medication or um run therapy sessions. 
rather right. than the rather than relying only on the specialists. Yeah, there's okay. pros and cons, lah. Of course, right? There needs yeah. to be strict supervision. Make sure that everything is going okay. But that's okay. one of the ways, lah, to help with that. Oh, okay. Actually, that gets me to wonder something, right? So you mentioned earlier that um, uh, mental illness manifests differently based on the cultural, right? So mm. in Malaysia, um, I know, I mean, mental illness originates from several different factors, you know, genetics, physiology, environmental factors. Um, so I don't know if you know this, but in Malaysia, what does the research say about the manifestation and its origins or, or mental illness manifestation and their origins in Malaysia? Mostly environmental, genetics? A, a lot of what our people perceive mental illness to be is associated with, you know, supernatural factors. I yeah. see. Even even now? Yeah. Totally. Supernatural mm. factors. Because supernatural, you know, like, not, like, other than, like, biological, other than environmental, there's still the belief that, you know, like, you are being possessed by a demon or anything like that. Mm. But the thing about that is, like, um, you know, people can have their beliefs, mm. but there there needs to be that conversation of it could also be, you know, because they need therapy or because they need social support or because, you know, other things than like focusing. Like I've heard a lot of stories of people saying their parents would send them to a bomo, would send them to like a monk or something to okay. help them heal in like a spiritual sense which yeah. which like basically isn't really much of a problem you know but mm. like there are some instances where that might ca- cause more harm than good so it's like a case by case right. but i wouldn't okay. dismiss the fact that people still believe in that because mm. i don't know i don't really have a problem with it as long as they also mm-hmm. acknowledge the other stuff lah kan mm. Right. Do you think it's the lack of education then? I would say. Like people just believe in what they want to believe and they don't do research. Um, it might be. If yeah. you grew up believing something and someone said something else, you're gonna mm. be like, why are you talking about? Speaking of beliefs, right? What have you really seen or what have you encountered, right, in your personal experience in Malaysia? Um, common misunderstandings or beliefs about mental illness even that whole like for instance I, I hear a lot of people <laughs> interested in psychology that I, I hear them say the first thing it's like oh does it mean you can read my mind yeah um, that's so annoying <laughs> <laughs> right but and, and, and it's now right like um, yeah what else, what else have you heard as someone who's actually you know in the thick of it someone who's doing a master um well I'm reminded of like maybe several instances that happened to me personally because I remember that one time I told like a person this is like sort of like a university setting lah, where like I don't really know the guy but when I told him I had this bipolar disorder he basically mm. said you don't look like you have bipolar disorder I see so it's like 
even though like I'm like tired of hearing that because it's totally not true and it's like what do you think people with mental illness look like right like mm. yeah uh the, the, those are one of the beliefs lah. um mm. misconceptions i would say right i probably a lot i'm like locking <laughs> them out man do, do you get a lot of like friends asking you for advice Like, oh my god <laughs> okay <laughs> that means yes <laughs> no no i mean nowadays not really right but like especially early on when i like started talking about mental health about i'm going to see a counselor because i'm having a problem you know that sort of thing mm-hmm. and then people would start asking you how how you know how do you do this like how do you go what do you say what do i expect what are the steps you know so mm-hmm. like this got me thinking lah like over the past few days i've been thinking like some people say don't talk about mental health you know like no lah i don't want to hear about it it's like too personal but from my experience me talking about it has made people want to talk about it with me they reach out to mm. me to like ask what should i do huh? so mm. i think it's really important like even though like some people say don't talk about it but mm. there are like clear benefits to it because people need it mm. okay. i guess speaking of like reaching out and getting for help right um especially in the healthcare system that like, people might not be aware that they can actually go Um, you know, to public hospitals and actually get affordable healthcare, right? What are some mm-hmm. of the steps, um, like or advice that you 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 would give to someone that's struggling and they want to mm. seek help? How would they be able to reach out or <clears throat> get those helps? Well, um, preferably like during this time, it's really hard to get help. If mm. let's say that. You are able to reach out to a close support system. Do that first, you know, to mm-hmm. see if they can help you with any issues that you're going through. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it be, it doesn't need to be like they need to talk. They, they, you need to talk with your friends about it. Mm-hmm. It can be like, I need this task done. Can you help me with it? You know, the, at mm-hmm. least that helps with the burden of life, just in general. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But like in terms of reaching out for like external support, um, people can usually go to any like government clinic and tell them that I need a mental health assessment, and they will usually give you an assessment that um, assesses your depression, anxiety, stress um, levels. This is just a screening tool, lah, just to know like where you're at, and then. Uh, and then you can be referred to a psychiatrist. Um, mm. Yeah, that is one of the routes, lah. Mm. Um, there are several um, initiatives, organizations, companies that are giving um, emotional support or therapy sessions for a low price or for free, even. Mm. So, um, yeah, uh, we actually have. The list of all of these services on our Twitter, mm. and there sometimes they pop up on Instagram as well. So it's really good to follow um, 
organizations or accounts that talk about these sort of things that list out, oh, if you are, you don't have the patience or the will, the, you, it's like an emergency, you have to go to the emergency department lah. But if you mm. cannot wait for like the waiting in the general government hospital, then you can maybe opt for like private ones that are a bit more affordable or those that are from NGOs. So... Mm. Yeah, follow us, <laughs> follow Minda Kami, <laughs> or like follow any mental health organization out there, really. Mm. All right. I mean, I don't know about you, but my experience of growing up has always been, especially, obviously, in the modern age, right? Um, being raised to be independent, to do everything myself. And <laughs> now that I'm a 25-year-old adult, right, I know that, I know intellectually that help is available, but it's as if, attached to it as if I may not be, what if I ask people for help and that means that I'm not capable as an adult, as a human being, or, or even mm-hmm. maybe the fear that that they would think that, right? Mm. Yeah, I think I can feel it. Lah. <laughs> I, <Same>. think, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Lah. I think that in your teens approaching this 30, yeah. 30 mm-hmm. years of age, like, I think our situation of becoming adults is like, like different. I there's a lot of pressure to have certain things already house and all uh, So yeah, I understand that there's a lot of pressure to shit together for lack of a better. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Do you guys feel that sense of pressure? Like, I think I relate to you guys. I it's very hard for me to ask for help. And why you guys think it's so hard for you guys? Obviously, it's conditioning. Um. Part of it is the way that I, we are raised in, you know, as, as a child. And then the, the conversations, the stories that we tell ourselves in our head as we grow up that we, that we aren't even aware of that mm. we replay in our lives. So, like, um, I remember as a child, right, like, like um, I remember being very happy that my mom praised me for being independent mm. you know, so it's like oh you grew up so much really you can take care of your sister you can do this that so yeah. i guess as a child right hearing that i unconsciously formed the the story or the the belief that i am good if i am independent can i ask something from a male's perspective right yeah, Do you sure. feel like as a man, if asking for help, you it's a form of weakness? Because, you know, like, I don't know, our culture, like, the man is, like, the protector, you know, the breadwinner. Right. Do you That's feel like it kind belief, of, right? yeah. yeah, it emasculate you? Uh, I'm not the typical man, so I'm probably not... Yeah, you are, dear. <laughs> what do you... <laughs> well, I mean, if, if it's, like, Chinese... Uh, grew up in a mostly English-speaking household and English-educated. Mm. Um, not particularly because I'm a man. My, I guess my conversation or my belief about uh, whether I'm good enough or uh, whether me asking for help defines how capable I am as a person, mm. not really, not really as a man. Mm-hmm. So the holdback really is is 
I guess in my person rather than see well, he's reflecting. <laughs> he's he's for the listeners out there. He's, he's, he's facial, his facial expression is like oh, thinking about something. I really. It's a really good question. I mean, because I never really thought of it. Uh, in terms of emascul emasculation or or being emasculated, if yeah, but 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 that's where emasculation came into the picture for me, lah. Right? Uh, do mm-hmm. I fit in with? Um, how attractive I am, personality-wise and looks-wise, when it comes to being attractive to to women or girls. That's interesting. Mm. Somehow, I've I don't know if I ever think about how to be attractive. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's that's that's. I mean, that's that's such an as a guy. That's our whole adolescence is spent. Whether consciously or unconsciously, trying to be as attractive possible to to other girls. Mm. Um, I guess that's where the danger lies, right? Where like, I I know of guys who grew up having eating disorders, not necessarily being bulimic or anorexic, yeah, but just the being very anal about weighing out their food, uh, what they ate and extremely disciplined with workouts which of mm-hmm. course it produced results right and the results got them what they wanted which is being attractive to girls uh at the same time um they would share or they would say like like so hard like i don't know why i keep doing this mm. so sometimes we don't we didn't even know what why uh why we wanted to be like that or or didn't even know that that we were being driven by hormones and social expectation to be to be uh, uh, attractive to girls. Yeah, <laughs> like eating disorders and disorder eating, like if you if yeah disorder eating and like body image stuff, all of mm. that plays into our self esteem, our mental mm. health, and it's something that I've also been trying to reflect on um, a lot more. How can, how can I unlearn, for example, certain beauty standards, mm. certain like standards of attractiveness towards another person? Mm. How can you just be yourself and just be without mm. thinking that I'm not chanty enough, I'm not mm. masculine enough, I'm not strong mm. enough, you know? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's a whole topic, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just curious. I really want to touch on this, right? Do you think, um, men? Okay, I I know I keep coming back to gender. I feel <laughs> like men don't really open up a lot. Uh, you know, compared to women, right? We don't really hear men talking about having mental illness or eating disorder. Like that's like the first I've heard. Like Sam talked about it. Mm. Why? Why? Why is that the case? Yeah, I mean, I don't really have, like, the solid answer. <laughs> All I can okay. think about is, like, you know, like, the usual thing of, like, men are perceived, they they should be strong, they should be yeah. the leader, they should be able to do all of these things, they shouldn't show weakness. If I, if my whole life, I've been hearing the message that mental illness is for, say, let's say, crazy people lah, or they belong in what, Tanjung Maputan. Mm. Um, so when I experience feelings of extreme sadness out of nowhere, right, mm. I 
unconsciously or consciously want to suppress it because I know I'm not crazy. I know I'm making sense or I hope I am. So I may not outwardly show that I'm sad or even want to feel sad. So the, mm. the, the idea or the word sad doesn't come to mind when I describe my feelings. I may say I'm feeling so tense. I'm feeling so stressed. I'm feeling so angry lately and I don't know why. Um, so, yeah. um, and, oh, and if the support group is, is, is not a helpful support group, then of course they'll say like, like, what's wrong with you, man? What's going on? Um, like you don't look, you, you don't look stressed. You don't look angry. So that perpetuates the cycle of suppressing, suppressing, um, my feelings or, or the person. Yeah. yeah. I, I think that's really, it reminded me of what Zulaika was mentioning uh, earlier about, you know, we we sometimes we listen we should listen to understand not listen to reply right not to just offer solutions right away um i think i have a question for you like what are some of the dangers right if you instead of going and seeking the proper help that you need Mm. um what's the danger of suppressing all those emotions either for a man or for a woman hmm well I mean, based on my experience alone, because I did grow up trying to like suppress everything or like at least keep it to myself, not mm. really talk about it with people. Yeah. Like when you don't have an outlet for that, um, it's gets like the pain gets worse. The whatever issue you have, like sort of like snowballs. So. Yeah. Yeah, that 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 could be, yeah, and it could later on affect you, even like in a worse way, to the point where, mm. for example, you have to quit your job or you have to take time off from studies or something. Like before mm. that happens, like try to nip it in the bud if you can. Hopefully, try to find uh, some supportive people around you as soon as you yeah. can. Like, yeah, definitely. I think also people don't understand that working on yourself is a very long process. You are yeah. kind of, you are like all these beliefs that you have created for yourself, right? It's years and years and years, right, of suppressing it. And then it takes a lot, a lot of sessions, uh, like going therapy or, you know, taking some of self-care routine. And I think sometimes I'm guilty of that. Like, I want immediate results. Like, mm. I want to get better immediately, Instead yeah. of like, okay, it takes time. Mm. So I think people need to also know that it's there's no immediate fix to things. It's because we yeah. feel mental illness is a problem. Mm, how so, to fix this, right? Yeah. So, so if I have mental illness, then I am a problem. So obviously, mm. I want to get myself fixed or find a solution as fast as possible, ma. Because yeah. I don't want to be a problem. Yeah, mm. <laughs> yeah. I, I remember going to my first like therapy session. I'm like, this is all the problems I want to fix. Fix me kind of thing. Instead of like, yeah. oh, oh you know, you talk through your history, like, and then like they diagnose you and it's like all that stuff. Like, no, 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 just tell me what I need to do to get over this. Like, kind of, I think I was kind of guilty of that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we can get really impatient with like, like, why am I not fixed by now? Like, yeah. I've been working on this for like years and years. Yeah. Why am I not, you know, that sort of thing. But sometimes you kind of have to like zoom out and reflect mm. on is it for real that nothing has changed? Because I'm sure there's a lot that has you aren't really keeping keeping tabs on. Sure, right. Yeah. 
Like exactly. sometimes we more likely keep track on our failures than our successes, right? Mm. Every small little thing, like celebrate it. Yeah. Like it's great. Like I know that like I'm I wouldn't say that my mental health is perfect. It's far from perfect, but even so I've learned so many things to the point where I'm pretty comfortable with not feeling like yeah. mm. I'm not feeling great. Mm. And I think that's what, like, one of the things as well is to slowly rid ourselves of this idea of perfect mental health, right? It's not mm. about, because everybody goes through ups and downs, right? We mm. all get angry, frustrated, annoyed. The, maybe there's no such thing as perfect mental health, but the perfection is in being able to understand and maintain and regulate yourself to mm-hmm. have a good understanding and relationship with your mental health. Mm-hmm. People often talk about the pursuit of happiness, right? Mm. It's like, I want to do all this so I can eventually be happy. Mm. Well, I have like two things to say about that. One is that you can be happy now with whatever you have. Mm. And the second part is that... Facts. And the second part is that, like, for me, I don't really strive for happiness anymore. What I strive Mm. for more is, like, contentment and, like, Mm. being okay with the present. I don't have to be, like, super joyful all the time because Mm. I know that within the spectrums of human emotions, joy, happiness is, like, part of it, but... Mm you're going to experience all of those other things as well. And what I try to strive for is like appreciating each thing, even though it could be like a bad feeling or a bad situation. Yeah, it's really hard to say. It's really hard to say this without without falling into toxicity, which is like, nah, everything is fine. Don't worry about it, which which can be like a lie pretty much. (laughs) We start to accept ourselves for, you know, for the bad days and the good days and like how has your journey been like accepting yourself man <laughs> all of your questions are like man this is a lot to think about um, well a lot I would say that a lot of trying to accept myself I'm still like having a really hard time with it some days are better than others my advice would be to like take it slowly Mm. to accept it yourself can take quite a while yeah once you've built that up enough to be able to open up Mm. to people then you can try to do it slowly rather than all at once Mm. yeah yeah i think it's important like the first thing you need to do is you need to love yourself right so if you don't love yourself how can you give it to another person right Mm -hmm. and uh, I have kind of a follow-up question. Do you ever grieve those times that you did not accept yourself? Do you ever, like, miss those moments or have... Grief about not accepting myself? Yeah. I mean, I guess, like, I do reflect on those moments. Like, I would give an example of, like, now, even though I weigh the most I've ever weighed in terms of my body... I am the happiest I've been with my body ever. You go, girl. Nice. You know? 
go it's girl really, body positivity it's really, it's really weird it's just like i'm kind of past that point Mm. I, I accept myself in terms of my mental health, in terms of my body, but there are still other things that I find hard to accept. Things it's like okay, it's it's okay to grieve the past and opportunities that you you didn't get to enjoy, um, and there's no need to like speed up your grieving process. Um, I think it's about time to end, unfortunately, because our time has come up. Um, so, as usual, we have our two surprise questions for our guests. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> Yvonne, do you want to take this one? Okay. I hope there's sound um, effects. <laughs> <laughs> Thank surprise you for the question. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, our very first question for you is, what is the best piece of advice you have ever read? I don't remember where I read it, but like, <clears throat> it said that you're allowed to just be a person without trying to improve yourself. Like, wow. sometimes when I'm to, like, you know, be better as a person, yeah. it can be, like, really, like, stressful and I can mm. be really hard on myself. Like, mm. why am I not, like, the best? Yeah. 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 I don't know how you guys feel about, you know, that whole thing. Uh, but, like, that really helped me, lah. Just- yeah. Yeah. All right. So, our last question is, I think it could be connected somehow. If you could give a 30-day experiment to someone, you mm. know, to try for 30 days, what would it be? Wow. Um, do sort of like a writing exercise. Mm-hmm. They can do it for 30 days. Um, what is that? I think two things like, that they could list list down to sort of like build their perspective of themselves and mm-hmm. accepting of their moment. Mm-hmm. Um, one is a list of things that you are grateful for. Mm. Um, it could be one, two, three things every day. Mm. And another, another list is like something that you achieved that day, something good that happened, something good about yourself for example mm. i think that would be a good experiment to like mm. sort of change your perspective of like there are things that i can appreciate even though things are like really tough right now mm. and that well. concludes the surprise <laughs> questions <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much uh for for being on here Zuleika. Uh, it's been a yeah, real pleasure thanks. and joy to to chat with you um, just before we end, how would people be able to connect with you on Mindakami or get access to the projects and resources that, that you guys and your team uh, supply? Sure. Um, our website is mindakami.org. Okay. We have a Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Mindakami, M-I-N-D-A-K-A-M-I. And we also have the Borat Minda podcast available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Google Podcasts, and everywhere <laughs> you can listen to podcasts. Hey. And yeah, if you need to reach out to us in any sort of way, all of our contact details, you know, emails and all uh, are available. Yeah, thank you so much for, <laughs> thank you so much for chatting with us, Laika. Thank thanks you. for having me. And for all of you listening, thanks for listening with us on the Curious Kaki Show. Stay curious.
you out there listening. Thanks for listening with us. Stay curious.